This is your Week in Gaming, episode 5, recorded for the 14th of April 2023, to bring you all the latest news from the world of gaming. On today's episode of the podcast, Sam is AFK, I use some torchlights, Chris gives up on PC gaming, and Richard is paid to win. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode five of your week in gaming. Wow, five episodes, guys, and none of us have wanted to rip each other's hair out or necks or heads off necks. And Speak, for Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined by co-hosts Richard and Chris tonight. Sam, unfortunately, is AFK with IRL Things, and uh, she'll be joining us for the next episode. So, how's At it, least gets? we know what a Samantha-shaped hole looks like now. Yeah, there is a definite lack of femininity on the other podcast now i think we've been swearing more at each other which we won't do yeah. here but <laughs> <laughs> what happens off podcast stays off podcast um but how was your guys a uh, little long weekend i, I want to point out i was gonna point out you know because we spent it all playing farming simulator <laughs> after we broke the story and we all well richard already had it but you and i got it so you know how our weekend was we spent it together <laughs> It was a I ton find of it, fun. I find it very funny. I meant to tell you this last night that the console gamer or the Mac gamer being me is the only one playing this game on Steam and you two are both using Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> I find it quite ironic. Subscription well, services are the way, my brother. I mean, 200 rand for five people to have access to Xbox Game Pass and I get to play games like Farm Simulator and others at you know, whenever I want to, it's it's great and definitely worth. Gaming news now and Nintendo have decided to go knocking on Discord's doors to get details of a user who apparently leaked about 200 pages of artwork of the upcoming Zelda game, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Back in February, Discord received DMCA notes to take down some artwork in Discord channels, which took them around eight minutes, says PC Gamer. However, after the closing of a Discord server and taking down of the media, a subpoena has been issued to Discord to obtain details of a specific user, including names, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses, and more. According to the filing, this is all in the name of protecting the rights granted to Nintendo of America under the Copyright Act. This isn't the first time something like this has happened, with Genshin Impact doing something similar back in December 2022. Chances are Discord won't fight this uh, in order to ensure compliance with uh, legal obligations. This is just another reminder to everybody that you're not entirely anonymous on Discord. Never mind on Discord. You're not anonymous online, ever. And I think <laughs> Pretty much. All, all of these services that we think are completely free of this sort of censorship... And I don't want to go too far into the censorship hole because I am like very strongly against it. But there's never such a thing as if anything is transferring your messages from one device to another, it is being logged on a server somewhere and that is not going to be deleted. So that is there forever. Mm -hmm. So if you can pick up your phone and read the same messages you can on, on, your, on your laptop or your gaming PC, that is being logged somewhere on a server to enable that. The same goes for Telegram, the same goes for WhatsApp, the same goes for all of those services that claim to be end-to-end -end encrypted and all that. It may be true, they may have encryption, but whatever's the, even the encrypted stuff is being stored somewhere. And it's, it's, it's just another reminder that you're not ever going to be anonymous on Discord. And things like VPNs that everybody goes on about don't help because you're still logging onto that VPN and then logging into Facebook. So you're still identifying yourself no matter what IP address you're coming from. 
So unless you're really careful about these sort of things, you're never going to be a completely anonymous. And there are services that help things like Proton Mail that don't ask any sort of any know your customer uh, information to open email accounts and that sort of stuff. Those sort of things help, but you're never anonymous. Yep. And I'm deleting Tor browser. Damn it. <laughs> look, I'm but all you for... Go, so get on Tor browser and then leak your DNS because you're not using DNS over TLS or, T- or HTTPS, so you're still not anonymous. That's game There's over. There's no such thing as anonymous. <laughs> you have to be so careful that it's, I mean, yeah. The hoop that you need to jump through, obviously there's going to be people that are going to do that. In this case, the specific user that decided to leak this clearly wasn't. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm all for, look, I would like to see more things, you know, more information about games from pro, uh, production houses and everything. But I understand the reason why they keep some of it gated, you know, until later on, you know, for press release and everything. People that leak or spoil things are terrible people, I feel. Um, so, this, But how is this different to like somebody sitting with mates in a bar showing them pictures on their phone. How is it different? It's a private conversation on a private server that's not open for everybody to log in and look at. How is it different? I guess it depends on the agreements that that person or that individual has struck. Like if you're um, working for an organization, you probably have a contract which restricts the sharing of this type of mm. content outside of your organization, which you've probably infringed on. Then you've mm. gone and you've shared it with other people. That then leaks to the wider community. It's a knock-on effect. You've spent... $20 million on your marketing strategy, which now, you know, is out the window. Like it has terrible financial, you know, repercussions if it does make it into the wider market. That if I was a marketer and I had a launch strategy that was well-timed and well-positioned and had, you know, all of these these timed events and then suddenly leaked, someone leaks everything and, you know, that that could have terrible consequences to the effectiveness of a, of a campaign. So what you're saying is be smarter about how you leak things. Look, you're going to leak things, speak to Richard so you can hide your DNS, you can use Tor Browser, don't use Facebook, Discord, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, WeChat, nothing. (laughs) Tor Browser is the biggest load of nonsense. There's so many federal exit nodes and stuff that, yeah. Anyway, we're not going to go into cybersecurity now. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know. I, I, I. I, I'm on the fence because I agree that there's copyright and copyright exists for a reason. But I also feel like if you're sharing things amongst your your friends, you don't know where this comes from. You're assuming that it's an insider leak and you're sure, assuming the person who leaked it is an insider. It might not be. It might have come from somewhere else. They might have saved it or Fortran or something and put it into that group. But, you know, I think the overarching point is, and it's Andrew's point, is you're never anonymous online. So don't assume you ever are, no matter how many steps you take to try and protect yourself. And that's an important message for anyone. I mean, I was hoping the point is don't leak intellectual property unless you have the permission of the publisher or the partner to do so. And again, yeah, we're assuming that it's an insider because who else would have the sort of sensitive information that would warrant this response? And if it is off 4chan, then it should be the original 4chan poster they're going after not you know, whoever reshared it on Discord. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think just get the permission of whoever. I mean, if you're in doubt, just ask ask permission. If they say no, then probably not a good thing to do, right? My, my internet uh, anonymity uh, strategy is always don't be the slowest person being chased by a bear. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a pretty good thing. So you, you... Just outrun yeah. the other person that's trying to yeah. outrun the bear. Exactly. That's all you need to so, do. Yeah. So you're saying the Discord individual <laughs> is the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Be okay. faster than that guy. <laughs> because, like, because, like Andrew said, Discord will roll over because they want to, you know, want to uphold their GDPR and whatever 
yeah. uh, requirements, whereas 4chan, not exactly known as being super compliant to all those sort of things. So, <laughs> not it, at all. But I mean, it's just low yeah. hanging fruit, that's all. Yeah, fair enough. But that might be a bit of a tangent. Anyway, in the quest for IP protection, how far is too far? Have Monster Energy completely lost their minds? According to Game Rent, Monster Energy are notorious for going after brands that could have anything even remotely similar to their own, including Pokemon, short for Pocket Monsters, and even Monster Hunter on Nintendo, uh, at least Monster Hunter and Capcom's uh, IP. They have gone after an NBA team, the Toronto Raptors, over their Monster Claw emblem, and this goes without mentioning Ubisoft's game Immortal Phoenix Rising, which was originally called Gods, and you guessed it, Monsters. And despite Ubisoft claiming the name of the game Monsters and decided to continue their legal action, this news comes shortly after the first reports around monster targeting an indie game called Dark Deception Monsters and Mortals. Some have accused Monster of being called trademark trolls using legal action to stifle competition, although it's certainly a case to be argued that mo- the word monster should fall under the umbrella term of far too common a word to be trademarked, much like when Paris Hilton attempted to trademark the phrase, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. It's, uh, they're almost as petty as um, Activision with the whole, you know, the map thing that we discussed just uh, last week, you know, going after. It's like, what are you trying to achieve by doing I think, this? I think Chris probably can can ratify the reason why I think this and that is purely no publicity is bad publicity. So I absolutely think it's going to generate millions of impressions across the Internet in regions where monsters definitely sold all around the world. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's no bad publicity here. People are going to be on the fence. People are going to be talking about monster. And in a world where Red Bull's marketing just comprehensively trances mon- monsters, like, I'm sure it's it's not a bad thing. Yeah, um, and I, I think I, yeah, and I think, Richard, I actually agree with you. It's a word that's far too common to trademark, in my opinion. If a word has been used for more than two to 500 years, lay off. You can't own that. What are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. It's not even a competitor product. It's a different yeah, product, exactly... different channel, different product category entirely. Like, no, it's it's purely PR, 100%. Yeah, some have accused Monster of being called trademark trolls using legal action to stifle competition. I'm sorry, since when was Pokemon and Monster Hunter World competition for an energy drink? It just seems, <laughs> like, it seems like a ridiculous thing. Just stay in it's your lane. Just, yeah, it's got to be drumming up publicity. It's like just a, it's just a buzz thing. That's all it is. You're going to read this article online, you're going to walk into your store, and you're going to see Monster, and you're going to be like, oh, I read about that, and chances are it's going to promote you, you know, purchasing power to purchase one of those, and I think that's all it is. Look, Monster Monster has only been around since 2002. I was playing Pokemon before Monster was around, conceptualized, founded, launched, whatever you want to call it. So, like, how can you go after Pokemon or any brand that's been around longer, or the word's been around longer than you've ever existed? It doesn't make any sense publicity i think at the end of the day and uh monster go back and make energy drinks rather delicious energy drinks the best tasting energy drinks just saying xbox's phil spencer announced this week that microsoft game pass is now available to another 40 countries around the earth ball including lithuania malta luxembourg and a load of others so if game pass hasn't been available in your region yet now's a good time to check if you can finally subscribe that's the good news the bad news is that the famous one dollar free trial of the service is finally being closed down which saw you getting the first 30 days of service for one dollar so you'll have to pony up the full subscription 
subscription cost from day one. The service costs around $10 US or your local equivalent, so it's a fantastic deal, particularly since it now includes EA Play. And because and because Bethesda is now a Microsoft Studio, you'll get day one access to Starfield when it launches uh, by subscribing to the service too. I just want to point out, I think that that $1 claim is technically correct and technically incorrect at the same time. Technically, the $1 free trial or the $1 trial, what are you going to call it, that first month, that's a marketing initiative and marketing and operations and you know sales fulfillment are technically separate. And so the marketing is not always on um, as far as I understand it. And, and I could be wrong here, but my understanding of the $1 free trial is it is dependent on region. It's dependent on a lot of factors and it's usually a marketing initiative. And that's usually to get new customers into the funnel when there might be particularly strong competition or whatever reason it might be. So I don't think it's a given that it should be offered permanently always on to everybody. Um, if it's a marketing trial and marketing funds, then it would be a requirement for the marketing funnel to turn on when it was needed. So just from my side, I, I think that's a bit unfair. I agree. It has been a thing since Game Pass launched. And I think the reason why it's news in this context is that it was part of Phil Spencer's video. He uploaded a video of himself to YouTube telling everybody about these things. And one of the things he said was the $1 free trial has been sunset. So it definitely was a launch day product and they've just had it running for much longer than you would have expected. I mean, for almost two years. And I'm sure I've unsubscribed from Game Pass and resubscribed. I mean, given the $1 trial again at some stage or another. Correct. So I feel like it's been been going around for a while while um but i think in, in this context it seems like it's reasonably final if the sort of head of xbox is like hey we're, re we're sunsetting this uh promotion i mean again it's, it's one of those one of those situations where yeah. you know you go you go into spa today or where whatever your local supermarket is you pay you know 4.99 for something and then three days later it's on special for 3.99 you're not going to get your one local currency back are you um nope. so it, it was a promotion Yes, you've lost that now. You can't do it. It served its purpose. Move on. Pay the full subscription. It's worth it anyway. Like, chillax. Oh, yeah. it's, it's great. It's a great service. Lots of games. And it's cheap, cheap. And the greatest thing is that, as Richard mentioned, with Bethesda being on there, it means that you can play all 23 editions of Skyrim if you really wanted to. Or again. Fallout 76. You know Fallout 76 gets such a bad rep. It's really worth playing now. Anyway, I'm not going to go into it, but if you haven't played it, it's definitely <laughs> worth playing now. Even if you're a single player, you don't have to play with other people. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is if Activision Blizzard sale goes through, this would also include Blizzard and Activision's uh, catalog, which is all the CODs and all that. So, it, you know, it's uh, it's set to be a super good value proposition, more than it already is. Oh, yeah. So, Penguin's promising playable. I'm going to take you back 13 years to May 2010. Richard, I don't know if you recall what you were doing back in that year, or even Chris for that matter. He was Richard was being a disgruntled uh, ex-employee of, of <laughs> whatever podcast he was on then. <laughs> so... Back in 2010, one of my favorite games was released, and that is Alan Wake. Um, it was developed and published by Remedy Entertainment, and it was given good accolades by the uh, the industry. Jump 13 years, you know, back into 2023, and we are finally getting a sequel to this uh, game, which is set to release pretty much continuing where the story left off, uh, according to the, uh, the rumors, and it should be sometime here within 2023. No specific date, so if we know anything about the gaming industry 
it could be 2024 or later. But if you want to see a little bit about what this game is about, there are remastered editions that are now available on Epic Games. But here's a little bit of a, a synopsis. Thank you, Steam, for a summary of the first game. Um, when the wife of a best-selling writer, Alan Wake, disappears on their vacation, his search turns up uh, pages from a thriller he doesn't even remember writing. Um, a dark presence stalks in the small town of Bright Falls, pushing Wake to the brink of sanity in his fight to unravel the mystery and save his love. Presented in the style of a TV series, Alan Wake features the trademark remedy storytelling and pulse-pounding action sequences. As players dive deeper and deeper into the mystery, they'll face overwhelming odds, plot twists, and cliffhangers. It's only by mastering the fight with light combat mechanics that they can stay one step ahead of the darkness that spreads across Bright Falls. With the body of an action game and the mind of a psychological thriller, Alan Wake's intense atmosphere, deep and multi-layered story, and exceptionally tense combat sequences provide players with an entertaining and original gaming experience. You can pick up the original games for $15 on Steam, or your equivalent local currency, or $30 for the remastered editions on Epic Games or your local equivalent. I don't know if you ever got a chance to play Alan Wake when it was released or somewhat recently. I, I feel very strongly about this. I'm going to tell you why. Because uh -huh. I found it to be one of the most boring games I have ever played in my life. What? I my playing God. It. This was the same year what? that Mass Effect 2 came out. Fallout New Vegas came out. Right? Like games that I replayed several times. Dragon Age um, Origins had expansions here. Like... Great games came out in 2010, and Alan Wake was not one of them. I'm sorry, Andrew. <laughs> uh, what? This, oh. Do you know, I don't how to, know what to say? Do you know how to give PTSD to a Dragon Age fan? You just say, enchantment? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, but it wasn't a good... Uh, Richard, what do you think? You, you played this game. Yeah, I, I didn't care for it, I'm afraid to say. I just didn't. <laughs> I am so shocked. To be fair, I didn't play Farming Simulator until recently, and it turned out it was a pretty good game. So, Richard, if I can return the favor, try this out. Uh, no, I mean, I did try it. I did try it back in sure, 2010 or whatever. Uh, you know what? Actually, I remember it being either confusing or difficult, and I can't remember which was the reason why I didn't like it. I think it was because it was difficult, and I'm not a very good gamer. But maybe I'm. Uh, maybe in a revisit, it would be less difficult, or, or maybe they've tuned it in patches. Maybe I played it early on in its life, but I just remember it being just not fun, and I I can't remember why. The, a lot, a lot of it light. is the light. You know, using the light thing, having your torch with you in order to shine get a lot of the darkness or whatever that of these people that are being a quote unquote possessed by the, uh, the darkness that is kind of spreading and it's the only way to like damage enemies in order to, you know, unalive them, whatever the case is, uh, and to further progress. It is a, a mechanic that is very difficult to, to understand and to get through. Chances are it was a little bit difficult. Um, I find it very tr uh, challenging at first to get used to as well. I So again, <clears throat> I'm going to point you to a game that does fight by light mechanic infinitely better than Alawake. Metro. The Metro series does this. It does this with a certain enemy type, dark, tense dungeon, Fallout 4-esque, future noir. And there, you have to literally shine your light, which is constantly running out, 
on enemies, but because it's an FPS, I feel like it it transitions and it's and it's more easily um, engaged with. Whereas Alan Wake is clunky third person. It's uh, for me, it was just not an intuitive and fun experience, and it was very boring. But in Metro, the environment and everything really built it up a lot more. Your FPS, so you're more engaged, and so for me, Metro pulled it off much better. And those were sort of sequences, so you know you could emotionally get through it um and, and and it was tethered yeah so i think other games do it better if i'm honest anyway thanks for your promising playable penguin <laughs> <laughs> and like here's something promising chris here's your opinion stomp 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 um, fine i mean try it out don't try it out it's entirely up to you i think it's really worthwhile playing so go grab it out and when it we've got more details about its actual release date i'll let the people that are interested at least know. <laughs> Look, I mean, it was critically acclaimed, so maybe we're not the best audience. It was genuinely like a well-liked <laughs> game, so we're probably not the best people to get an opinion from. But I agree, when you're talking about darkness and light games, there's so, so much better experiences, for me anyway. There's games like Soma, which was incredible yes. in its oh. storytelling mm. and that was also like a dark light game stay away from the dark you know and and that was so much more enjoyable and the story really sucked you in and it was a consistently uh, revealed and as you got to the end it was like a kick in the nuts but you know the alan wake i'm sure is great i probably would enjoy it if i tried it now i didn't when i did i would love to know what sam would have thought if she would have agreed with you andrew or been on our side <laughs> well let's just say for the sake of fairness that it's too all <laughs> thank you very much sam for uh as putting your vote towards me so it doesn't feel so overwhelmingly bad but i think in but future yeah. if, if a co-host is missing andrew you get the their vote <laughs> I, I think it might, just be, <laughs> it might just be the same thing apparently um, according to a Tom's Hardware article that just released a couple of days ago, the stats are in for PC sales globally. The first quarter of 2023 sees very much diminished demand, surplus stock, and a declining macro environment, all playing a role in a significant decline in our traditional PC shipments around the world. Uh, shipments of PCs declined by 29% from January to March 2023, hurting all PC makers across the board. Um, surprisingly, um, Apple uh, seems like it was hurt the most. So global PC shipments totaled around 56.9 million units throughout uh, across the globe, a 29% decrease compared to the same period in 2022, based on initial data from IDC. Analysts believe these results signify an end to the COVID-induced demand period and a temporary revert to pre-COVID trends. Shipments in Q1 2023 were even substantially lower than the 59.2 million and 60.6 million units in Q1 2019 and Q1 18 respectively. While all PC makers lost sales in the first quarter, Apple was perhaps the biggest loser with a 40.5% year-on-year decline. Um, guys, is PC gaming dead? Uh, or is this a consequence of the COVID uh, pandemic and everyone going all in on PC periods, yeah. uh, purchases during lockdown, and thus breaking what we call the normal upgrade cycles that many gamers were traditionally in, and COVID comes in, sweeps the board, and everyone just spends money then and there um, during lockdown, thus creating a new global cycle that we're all on. I'd like to read the full article because does it make any separation between consumer and business hardware? Because uh, for, for me, this is... 
on first read and being somebody who literally does IT procurement for a living, if on first read through this, it just to me looks like a bell curve of we hit the sort of top of the curve because everybody was responding to work at home and, and going mobile and buying PCs and, and laptops when COVID was a thing. And now that everybody's back to the office and budgets are tightening up and everything and the, the, the supply of hardware is much more available, it feels like we're just sort of seeing that return to normal rather than a, a, yeah. because the decrease is 29% year on year from 2022. Yeah. If you look at the 2019 numbers, that's only a 3 million difference versus yeah. a 30% difference between this time and next year. So to me, it's it's more the, the, the significance is probably more accurate between 2019 and this year versus 2022. And I think what you'll find is that there's a significant drop of desktop PC sales. And because everybody has now got reasonably new mobile devices because they were bought during the work at home and COVID responses that there's not a huge drive for people to get to replace them at the moment and I think what you're probably going to find is towards the beginning of next year you're going to see numbers bigger than what it was in 2019 because then it's going to be the replacement cycle of the 2023 year uh, business replacements so my opinion is basically wait till January 2024, and you'll see a spike. Um, the source is the IDC quarterly personal computer device tracker, and it is for um, all shipments. So it's shipment-based, worldwide shipment-based, yeah. uh, and market share. So it's all devices. Yeah, so that makes me think that it's just, it's large, because I mean, business devices far outweigh consumer device purchases yeah. in this sort of se segment. So it's just a business response to everybody's got devices now that we got them when COVID happened, so nobody needs a new one just yet so it's gonna it's gonna spike again when the when that massive pc replacement cycle comes around when we get to the three-year mark or four-year or five-year mark whatever the business's uh, replacement life cycles are when yeah. it happens yeah exactly another another big thing is with obviously covid and factories shutting down uh one of the big things like semiconductors uh that production just completely stalled now you've got semiconductors in just about everything and with production of that, still trying to catch up on demand mm. um, that were created during COVID and things. That's, it's, that's I mean, true of cars. a year ago. Yeah, I it's mean, not true anymore. However, you still experience, especially in the automotive industry at the moment, uh, car manufacturers are still str struggling with shortage of, of, of semiconductors uh, going into uh, vehicles because of it. And we see it a lot here in where we live, where... Uh, like Mercedes-Benz uh, shut down for like a week because they just do not have the parts. It's a shortage of parts and them trying to still get them yeah. in the country. So I think it's 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 a combination of a, a lot of things. Um, but uh, yeah, I would just like to get cards and uh, other electronics at reasonable prices again. So I think, Andrew, you're right. Like if if that is from like, six months to a year ago because right now like just look at micron uh for example they're like the third biggest producer of um those exact components you're speaking about and you know in 2022 their average margin was something incredibly stupid like 40 percent do you know how hmm. stupid 40 percent margin is in components like Richard will tell you that is monstrous you know what their average margin in is is in q1 2023 negative uh, 50 <laughs> they are selling stock at a loss to get rid of it. That's how much oversupply there is in the market in the chain right now. That's, so I think uh, what happened is everyone, everyone geared up because there was a shortage. Everyone thought 
COVID levels and demand would maintain and become the status quo. So they over-engineered additional supply because there was this massive shortage, high margins, and then that demand never actually materialized and peaked. And so now you're sitting with, I think, an oversupply and everyone's like got too much stock and they're burning on it. But Richard's probably got a, a bit more insight from the business side. Yeah, I think it's true. I think that it, I mean, when it, there was a fear that there was going to be a massive shortage of IoT devices like routers and and smart devices and like and you said with the with the microelectronics for cars and engine units and engine control units and that sort of stuff, it did happen to a degree. But I think it's going to bounce back very quickly. And 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 that is a direct product of China's response to COVID and shutting down factories at the drop of a hat, etc. Rather than a general lack of parts and availability and and manufacturing capacity it's rather just a response to um to a hu the human side of manufacturing rather than the the demand and supply side of things um and then ov obviously the changes in shipping and the cost of shipping and stuff sent it all crazy and it still hasn't really properly re rebounded um so there's a lot of factors that, re that that are responsible for it but ultimately it's just because we all already have reasonably new laptops now because we got them all when our company sent us home and i think that's really why sales are so low at the moment anyway and this week news week's news that nobody cares about it's episode five and we still haven't had this discussion yet you know the one the one about microtransactions a report from pc gamer last week reported that the upcoming resident evil 4 remake will feature 11 paid dlcs that are set to increase the power of your weapons in the game each of these upgrades will work a little differently where one might increase the power of a gun another might enable bullets to pass through up to five targets these upgrades aren't exclusive to real money transactions. You can buy them with in-game currency, but of course there's a time cost to it because you've got to grind it out and get the weapon to the max level before you can buy the buy the upgrade or the exclusive upgrade, and they cost a bundle of in-game currency, which means probably more grinding. A single weapon microtransaction will cost around $3 of real money, and bundles will be available if you want to get all 11 or 5 of them. You know, this is... My least favorite, actually, it's my second least favorite kind of microtransaction where you're just paying to skip a game and the game is fluffed up and made long on purpose so that people want to spend the money. This is like mobile gaming gone into, you know, traditional yeah. PC and, and console gaming. Yeah. My stand on microtransactions comes down to if you want to have them in, by all means. I draw the line that if I pay for a game, right with money and then you still want to charge me things to pay to win in this example you know bullets that go through five targets or whatever to make my life easier and everything i've got a problem with that especially in multiplayer i think pay to win is rubbish but if you're going to put it in there to make my gun look fluffy and it's purely cosmetic i couldn't care just throw as much in but where you where you purposely extend your game just to be like no 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 give us more money and we'll make it what it should actually be, that's rubbish. I, I don't know if this is pay to win because it's a single player game. So you're not paying to win, you're playing to speed up your experience. Um, and that's what I have an issue with because they're purposefully making the game a grind so that you drop the $4 or whatever to get the gun that lets you shoot through targets. So you don't have to grind through it all. If it's yeah, if it's cosmetic, if it's a, a couple extra levels that you don't need, uh, you know, so be it. But this is literally paying for a shorter experience or rather, actually, I'd like to describe it as paying for the original experience before they threw a bunch of time-gated stuff into it. It's like uh -huh. those energy meters in mobile games. You know, refill your energy for this amount of in-game currency, which 
you're going to be playing for weeks to get or just buy a bundle of it for X number of dollars. See, I, I'm, I'm a realist here. And I think in your example, Andrew, that mobile freemium game like needs to be paid to be constantly supported and developed. So if you're getting the game for free and there are a few gatekeeping elements, that's by design and because there needs to be um, incentive for the for the customer or the player to, to actually pay for things. Um, so it is a requirement for that game to exist and nay to be consistently supported. I think in Richard's example, in a single player game, if you're paying for that experience and then it's purposefully a grind to then sell add-ons, starts becoming a little complicated but then i also really love the dota um, you know the dota scenario dota 2 where you're just paying for skins and it doesn't impact the game in any way and i just sold a boatload of skins that i'd forgotten about when i left dota in 2018 and you know back then i had made like four grand on all my skins and now i've just made another hundred and odd rand from skins i'm never going to use so you know i think it depends it's contextual and it, it it really is about like what that game is and, and what it is to you and how you want to experience it. And it's going to be down to personal choice too. Look, I think when with context, you know, DLCs have their place and paid DLCs have their place. If you have like the farming simulator thing we were talking about earlier, if you have a, a base set of a thousand farming implements in your game and you want to add a few in and charge 10 rand or, or a dollar of each for those things that's fine it, you you can use them you don't have to it's not going to change anything you've also got a free mod hub with hundreds of mods in it that you can you can use or not fair enough if you're if you're purposefully making a grind out of something so that people buy pay money and you're have you and your and your base game has a price so you're buying a game and then you have to also either grind through something or you need to pay the few extra dollars to to skip over the grind or the game is much more difficult and much more time consuming if you don't i, I kind of have a moral you know standoff against that whereas if it's a free game and the and the, and the price of of not having to spend eight hours grinding enough currency to buy something is three dollars that that's fine to me because you're giving your product away for free and you're we're giving people a choice to support you or not the the, the deep rock galactic method you know and the, and then there's the extreme cases everything's free and if you want to look good then pay an extra few dollars or what or, or play, play the game and for random drops or whatever the story is and and that's that's also a totally fine model so all i'm yeah just it's just if you're making your game long on purpose to make people spend more money than they were originally paying yeah, uh, yeah it's, i have i have an issue anyway yeah. microtransactions they're a sticky subject everybody has their opinion well that about rounds up our news in gaming for the week thank you so much for tuning into episode five of your week in gaming and again esports central thank you so much for teaming up with us to allow us to give poor opinions on playable games that are coming up in the future and for allowing people just to stomp on their opinions, I guess. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at YWIG Podcast and by email at yourweekinggamingpodcast at gmail.com. I am Andrew, and you can find me on Twitter at my name is Pengu. And Sam, who's not here, you can find her on Twitter at Naori Mizuki. My name is Richard. You can catch me on Twitter at Frogboots. Please come follow me. There's lots of exciting things happening there, all kinds of retweets and opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I That's love funny because he doesn't have any opinion <laughs> on Twitter. No, I've got two tweets and six followers. So I'm just trying to make it sound exciting so people come on over to Frog Boots. <laughs> That's something new every week. Um, 
my name is Chris, and you can follow me at Farming Sim on Twitter. See you there. <laughs> Our next episode will not be on on Friday the twenty first, but Friday the twenty eighth of April, twenty twenty three, at seven am GMT plus two, and across all major podcast platforms. We'll see you then. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.